64 Tacos Podcasts presents. Is this song good? This is episode 25. Giant Drag Wicked Game. Welcome back to another episode of Is This Song Good, a 64 Tacos podcast. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about the song Wicked Game by Chris Isaacs and the cover version of it by Giant Drag. Um, This is one of those songs from the late 80s again, right, that um, I absolutely love and... um, his voice is just amazing. But then, and I don't even know how I come, came across the giant drag version of it, but um, they basically took it and made it a 90s light grunge song. <laughs> um, and it's it's a really neat interpretation of the song. It, it kind of follows the same basic uh, formula of the song, but they, they take all of the um, romance out of it and make it more more despair. And I thought it was, was a really neat twist on it. What'd you guys think? Well, uh, I've never really liked the, the wicked game song personally. Um, it was something, yeah, I think it was late eighties, uh, early nineties. Um, if I was reading things correctly, it sounded like it wasn't very popular when it first came out, but then, uh, I think maybe like a David Lynch movie or something like that sort of revitalized it in the early nineties. Mm. Um, and, uh, I don't know. It's just something about like the sort of country, easy listening thing. Just it just never really, really did it for me. Uh, it just felt kind of like you know emotional heartbreak, cornball type of stuff. But in listening, you know, deeper this for this, uh, you know, I did really like the the bass line of it and and the, the guitar riff like right after the chorus. You know, do 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 do. Um, I really enjoyed the those parts of it. Um, and yeah, it was definitely ripe for a for some sort of um cover that takes it in a new direction and and i think there are a lot of covers of it um because yeah, because that of that me. um and so listening to this one i was you know surprised that i was like okay i can actually get behind this um but then actually you know listening a little bit deeper uh you know it took the core of the song and it kind of amped it up and gave it kind of like the the rock crunch and stuff but mm-hmm. i don't know to me it sort of felt like it was like Avril Lavigne recording in her garage or something. I mean, it just, it sort of, it was missing kind of like the production quality, you know, and I've never heard of giant drag, so I don't really know where they are on the spectrum. Like maybe they're, maybe they're kind of really a small indie band and this is sort of the best that they could do. But, you know, like the, I thought it was neat how they kind of tried to add well, the guitar. We, we know how you hate small indie bands. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, some of them can really do amazing things with very, very limited budgets and stuff. Um, but the, uh, but yeah, the guitar, the guitar solos were, I don't know. It, it was like they were trying to solo, but it just kind of ended up being noise, you know? And, um, but I, I, you know, I do really like Chris Isaac singing. And I, I think that that was better in the first one and then, or, you know, in the original and then, uh, uh, giant drag with, uh, Annie Hardy, I think was her name. Um, you know, she does a fine job singing, you know, it really does. It, it, it kind of, 
you know, it, it does what it needs to do for the song. But I was, uh, while I was listening to, it, I was kind of like, could I have Chris Isaac singing with this <laughs> version of the music, you know? Yeah. That would have um, been ideal. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I remember the song very well from, uh, it being played a lot on MTV, uh, when I was a kid, um, you know, in the nineties, probably, you know, right after it became popular. Um, and it's, uh, you, you know, it's funny. I, I've always liked this song a lot. Um, and it's, you, you, you mentioned Zach that it's, it's kind of, kind of cornball. And I'm like, you know, you're, I've never thought of it that way, but you're probably right. Um, it is, <laughs> it is a little corny, I guess, but it's well, one of, yeah. sometimes, uh, uh, these, these songs get in your head when you're young enough to not know any better. And it never really feels yeah. that way to you. Um, even if, even if you could argue that it's possibly true. Um, it's, it's very Elvis, uh, ish, you know, um, mm-hmm. with his sort of like, um, man, vocal mannerisms. And of course, you know, his look, uh, of course, uh, as well, but, um, yeah, I, I love the atmosphere of the, the original song of the sort of, uh, like, you know, lonesome, you know, um, uh, it, it is a little country, you know, um, and, uh, I've always thought that, um, it was just a, a really, really uh really moody and effective um it was interesting to hear sort of like a yeah like an extra crunchy version um without all the atmosphere but i i do feel like you lose a bit when you don't have the atmosphere um it's one of those songs that was recorded in you know in the late 80s which makes you think wow this should sound really dated but it doesn't sound at all dated um, to me. It ha- it's just really immaculate production on it, um, the guitar tone and everything else. Um, and uh, it passes the Dave test of sounding di- very different from the uh, original, um, which mm-hmm. is which is probably good because, I mean, can you imagine hearing somebody else, like, do an exact, you know, copy of croon. Chris Isaac? <laughs> right. like that, what, what would be the point, you know? Um uh, because the song is mostly about atmosphere, you know, um, and so if you're just mimicking the atmosphere, I, I don't know. So um, I think that's that's all. That's all. It it's it's fine that it's different. In fact, it's kind of good that it's different. Um, and I did find one other thing that was interesting, and that was that the the guitar riff is so iconic that they felt they felt obligated to put a very very similar version in you know so so that you recognize yeah. the song <laughs> even though like the the the, yep. the guitars for the rest of the song really aren't that similar um to the original but they're like oh we got to put that lick in you know like that's that that is the song basically you know um yeah i i uh, i find it interesting and and different and i wouldn't turn it off if it came on for sure um, but, uh, I, you know, I, I would definitely say that it, it's missing a bit of, of what made the original really enjoyable for me. That's fair. I mean, you take Chris Isaac out of the equation and it's, um, it, it's a, it's definitely a different song. No, nobody's going to sing it like he sings it. Um, I just, I just loved how they, and I think it's what Zach, you got the most out of it is how they, uh, they took the guitar and just, they dirtied it up. Um, yeah. <clears throat> while keeping that same lick, um, and that that was really fun for me. I thought that was an, made it an, a neat twist. I don't think I like it better than the original. Um, I think the Chris Isaac's version is just about perfect, but um, it was a neat neat divergence from it. Yeah, I don't think you can do that song any better than it was done originally, 
if your if your goal is is you know for it to sound like that how how weird is it that chris isaac was making a song that sounded like that in 1989 and then it became really popular it just doesn't i don't know it's very strange to me uh that right. that's that, that song exists sounds the way it does and and that man like i mentioned the production already but but yeah like the drums uh with the brushes and like the bass playing it all sounds it just sounds so good. It just feels like a like a master class on like production and like simple, but you know, it just everything sounds perfect. Um, it's just a, mm-hmm. a great recording. You know, whether whether you like the um, what they're trying to do or not, they they really nailed what they were trying to do. And, it, and the fact that it still sounds good, you know, thirty plus years later, um, uh, I think it's a testament to to that for sure. So the funny thing is, it it came out in June. 1989 and it was released as a single but it did not become a hit at that time it wasn't until uh later in 1990 when when david lynch uh used it in wild at heart that it actually took off and people found it and liked Mm -hmm. it so it it, for some reason just on it on its own it was not iconic enough to really you know push through but using it in that movie or something i guess was what was what really got people onto it i don't know i mean (laughs) yeah it's weird how the music business works that way um where you know you can have this amazing song like like aerosmith's dream on was not a hit until after um their second album came out and people were actually paying attention to Aerosmith and people came back to dream on, which is now their, you know, their mega hit. They're the one song they have to play at all, all their concerts. Um, it's just people, people don't get, if you don't get the right exposure on a song, it, it can just not do anything despite the, uh, regardless of how good it is. Yeah. Well, and, and that I didn't think that David Lynch movie was very popular either, but reading on Wikipedia, it looks like they commissioned a, a music video or something for it later on. And so maybe that was that was the trick, like maybe the original yeah. music video wasn't quite enough or something. I don't know. But yeah, it's uh, it's strange how those things go. <laughs> Just needed a little bit of that Nick Cage uh, stank on it, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I remember uh, I I. I wasn't really aware at the time for sure that it was in wild at heart, but I remember reading about wild at heart and it was at least, I don't know, maybe it's just, it's just it being a David Lynch movie, but it was it, when you're reading about it, when you don't know much about movies, you think, Oh, that's, that's one that, you know, that's supposed to be good, you know, in my head. But um, I, I do think it's interesting that um, like you said, Dave, it, 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 it it's weird how sometimes songs, like hit that that in retrospect you think oh of course it's such a great song but it's so out of step with what was going on in 1989 Mm -hmm. and the way the industry worked it it had to get into a movie or something to get big because who you know i don't think chris isaac was you know particularly high in in the consciousness of uh of the average you know you know american or anything at the time i mean i'm not big chris isaac you know follower so i don't i don't know maybe he was big but it's the only thing that that you ever really heard about you know from him at the time um as i remember Mm -hmm. but um but yeah it it just needs a break sometimes and that's that's the way music is like sometimes you hear a song that you've heard before but you hear it in a movie and suddenly it has you know it sticks in your head and and it, it really it really catches on with you yeah 
So I, I looked up Kickball Records, which is the uh, record company that Giant Drag was on. Um, and it turns out it is owned by Avril Lavigne and recorded in her garage. Um, <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Well, so, nailed so, it. Well, I, I hit it. I didn't, yeah. I didn't, but I, I hit it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, so what, what do you guys think? Which one do you like better? I like the original better. Yeah, me too. I, I yeah. love the, uh, the dirty twist to the, uh, to the music, but the, Chris Isaac is irreplaceable in my opinion. Yeah, I, th- I think the the singing would the singing of Chris Isaac would probably push me in that direction a little bit more. All right, well there you have it. Uh, next week we're doing one of your songs, right, Dan? Uh, yeah, we're gonna do um, the very, very, very famous uh, cover by Whitney Houston of "I Will Always Love You," the uh, Dolly Parton song from '74, I think. All right, we'll see you then. I caught it on audio.